Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. I am your host, Mark McDaniel. Today, we welcome a gentleman who has his finger on the pulse of the short-term rental industry. The company he works for and manages has almost 420 rental properties in their portfolio, anything from a condo to a 12-bedroom home with every amenity you can think of, all the way down to no amenities. So if you want to hear from somebody who understands the market and understand what's going on economically and what to put in your house and what to avoid, this is your guy. And the guy I'm talking about is Kevin Bozar with Cabins for You in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. He is the guy that we're going to be interviewing today. He's great, very knowledgeable, and we hope you learn a ton from this interview. We are helping owners create cash flow and pay down their mortgage while our guests feel like a millionaire for the time that they stay with us. It's no secret that focusing on others' outcome ultimately leads to more income for you and your company. Welcome to the Good Endeavor Short-Term Rental Show. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Anything to do to help. Awesome. Well, Kevin Bozar, um, Cabins for You, two big names in the industry, especially the Smoky Mountains. Tell us a little bit about you and how you got started in, in this industry and how you got started with Cabins for You. Well, thank you for asking. You know, this is a second career for me. Uh, my wife and I moved here to the Tennessee Smokies from the metro Atlanta area about nine and a half years ago um, to, with the idea of semi-retiring. Um, I had spent previous to that a little over 30 years in the financial services industry where I uh, owned and operated or was the senior C-level manager for some very large national uh, investment advisory securities firms and planning firms. So my my true background is in money, investments and finance. So when we moved here, um, you know, being semi-retired was getting kind of boring. I was too young to retire. I needed something to do. And this company called Cabins for You had an advertisement. And so I sent my resume and cover letter in and showed up in my suit and, you know, my tie. And and evidently I made an impact on them because uh, nine and a half years later, here I am sometimes feeling like I'm working harder today than I did before. And uh, it's it's really exciting for me because um, I see vacation rental properties as a separate asset class. Um, as, a, as it relates to investor owners, it's a non-correlated asset, meaning that the returns don't necessarily are dictated by market influences. But there are influences, obviously, that can impact the owners, the value of the asset that we're managing, along with the rate of return that we're hoping to get for them and that they can be happy with. So it's a it's a it, everything that I did in the past transfers really nicely to this space. And uh, I've had the privilege of working with Cabins for You for this nine and a half years in various capacities and uh, couldn't have asked for a better group to work with. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. And I'm trying to translate some of that in my head. Obviously, you're you're using some of the same ter- terminology, uh, total cost of ownership, return on investment. But like if you invest in a blue chip stock, you get a consistent return. If you invest in more of a high risk stock, you might see more peaks and valleys. Would you 
would you say that's that's fair as far as a cabin rental? Like if you make a big investment in a good quality cabin or house or rental home, you're more likely to see a, a consistent a consistent return. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, you know, different types of investments and securities have different risk tolerances. So, you know, stocks, you know, you can get some appreciation and value and they hopefully will share some level of dividends. Bonds, obviously you're buying a bond and bond prices do fluctuate, but the return that they provide, the yield, the coupon yield generally stays the same. So, but with vacation rental properties, um, you know, you've got an asset that hopefully goes up and doesn't go down. But the rate, you know, but the income isn't always as consistent as you would like it to be. Most buyers and owners of short term vacation rental properties, you know, don't understand that there is risk in all investments. You know, it was easy to make money in 2021 and 2022. We all made big money in those unicorn years. But now when the economy is somewhat stagnant, when we have inflation the way it is, and when we have the the specter of a recession um, and other economic uncertainties, you know, buyers and consumers of our product aren't always what they what we would hope them to be, which, of course, erodes some level of rate of return. So, um, you know, it's the hope that we have a consistent return for owners, but they also have to realize that there's no guarantees owning a short-term vacation rental property, you know, regardless of what our friends in real estate say, there are no guarantees that you're going to get the rate of return that you're looking for. Yeah. What would you say, that's a great comment. What would you say are one or two things that will keep you in the driver's seat? So another way to say that is, how can I more easily not guarantee my rate of return, but how, like, what are a couple things that I can do to make sure that it's it's going to be there year over year versus rolling the dice? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and this is a highly competitive space that we're in, the short-term vacation rental industry. Not only do we have owners who buy properties and are managed by property managers, owners that buy and want to self-manage or do a hybrid of the two. What's consistent amongst everything in all specters of, of of the economy and for businesses is something called supply and demand. We've all heard it. Um, you know, the greater the supply, lower demand, we have a compression in prices and revenue. And then the inverse is, is obviously true. You know, even in a, in an environment where we're seeing supply increase and it's increasing exponentially in most markets, I can say we've certainly had it here in the Tennessee Smokies. Um, what you can do, what an average owner can do, or for that matter, a property manager, is always strive to keep your property profitable and competitive by doing the things to keep it current. You've got to have a wow factor. What separates your property from similar properties in the same bedroom size or in the same area? What separates you from the guy that has a property next door or the others that have properties in the same area? Are you maintaining your property well? Are you updating Kitchens. I mean, good night, nurse. I see properties still with Formica countertops. When I see builder grade appliances, when I see 
oh God, I saw one today that still had wallpaper borders that were just absolutely hideous, green carpeting. You know, you've got to keep your property contemporary. You've got to keep it somewhat modern. You've got to keep it contemporary with the time. If I look at a property that I see screams, you know, 1998 and here it is, you know, 2023, I tell the owner, your property is not going to be competitive in the marketplace that we're currently in. So, you know, um, you know, you've got to put money into your properties, give yourself that wild factor and keep yourself contemporary and modern for today's traveler. Yeah, it's it's almost like from an investor standpoint, they want to see a return before they make more investment. But it's like that that leap of faith where you're not going to see a return unless you make the investment up front. And so, I mean, the same can be said for any number of investments, but especially in a market where you have a four bedroom cabin and you're competing against 3,500 four bedroom cabins, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the, and, and again, I don't want to speak ill of my real estate brethren or for that matter, some of these, Airbnb gurus that you see on Facebook or who post all the time and they say it's easy to make money on, you know, buying a short term vacation rental property. And they they make it sound all glamorous and easy when it really isn't. And they're doing a disservice because they're giving a lot of these people investment advice without having any knowledge. And frankly, they're trying to again, I don't want to disparage them, but they're trying to make a commission. Um, so it's. It's really difficult for sometimes for me to talk with a buyer or somebody who just recently purchased one and say, look, if you want your property to generate the kind of income you need to cover your expenses, these are the things you have to do. You're going to have to put some money into it in order to be, again, marketable and competitive. I'm going to, I, I run those phrases into the ground every single day talking to people because you just can't take a house here, especially in the Tennessee Smokies, that has been a somebody's residence, you know, slap a coat of paint on it and put a, you know, sign and you put it on Airbnb, VRBO or, or some other channel partner and expect it to rent. It's just not yeah. that easy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, that's such a valuable service because there probably are so many property management companies that will say or do whatever just to get the listing. And so to have like a consultant like company and it sounds like you're acting as a consultant for them to help them um, increase the value of their home, increase the bookings, et cetera, et cetera, is is invaluable. Like it's it's a bandaid well, you have to you rip know, off. Like you're going to have to do it sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm not a I've never been just a transactional guy. There's a lot of transactional financial estate planners out there and vacation property managers, their churn rate is quite high. I'm a relationship builder. I would rather build relationships with my owners and with the good realtors because I do believe that I can provide a valuable service to help them. With the realtors in the area, I help them close business. I, I uh, We meet our expectations, which is an incentive for them perhaps to buy more properties or refer their friends to that realtor who do want to purchase them. With the mm -hmm. owners, I would rather be open and honest and transparent with them, regardless or not if I'm a fiduciary, which I am because I'm still an active investment advisor. 
Um, so I have a fiduciary responsibility to everybody whom I'm dealing with in financial matters. And so I want to always be open, honest, and transparent. And if you're not willing to do that, and if you're not willing to tell them the truth, then perhaps you shouldn't be in this business. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting, Kevin. Um, you mentioned being a fiduciary. Oftentimes, like if any Joe off the street meets with a financial advisor, is is a short-term rental property an asset that a normal financial advisor might advise for or against? Or is this kind of one of these, these just asset classes that are kind of so far off the radar that financial advisors really aren't comfortable with that yet? You think it's mainstream, that mainstream? You know, some, you know... I'm a big fan of diversification, obviously. You know, I don't I don't think anybody should have all of their eggs in one basket. We hear that expression quite often. I think that, you know, there are some really good financial advisors out there who may suggest for certain individuals, uh, depending on their risk tolerance, real estate investments, whether it's in the form of of the pure purchase of an asset like a building, an office building, you know, condominiums, um, you know, things like that. Or maybe it's a real estate investment trust, a REIT, whether it's publicly traded or not. Um, so there are some really good um, real estate investments for individuals to diversify a portfolio. I can speak of, of a couple of, of financial advisors who I've turned on to the idea of having their, you know, their investors purchase a short-term vacation rental property, and then working with their financial advisors, sending them the statements and working with them, you know, they're providing a really deep service for their clients. And I'm proud to be able to help them to do that. Is it mainstream yet? Probably not, but it, but mm-hmm. it is happening. One of the things that I'm a little fearful of are some of these groups who are doing Regulation A or Reg A offerings where they're getting investors, you know, non-accredited investors. And, and I don't want to get into the into the details and the minutia of a, accredited investor versus a non-accredited investor. But they're saying, hey, you can buy a fractional ownership of a short-term vacation rental and get all the returns and not have to worry about all of the expenses. I think um, that's a space that uh, you know, as an investment and in securities guy that I'm a little bit worried about, that there are certain returns that are being um, published and, and publicized and advertised out there when, in fact, it's it's really not it's a pretty sophisticated investment for somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience to get into. So I think that's a space on the investment side of the house that there could be fraught with problems in the future. But to answer your first question, I think uh, owning a short-term vacation rental property as part of one's investment portfolio, I think it's a dynamite idea for the right person with the right risk tolerance. Yeah. Yeah. Always, I think of real estate in general um, just as a nice four-legged stool. You know, one, you've got cash flow, Mm -hmm. you've got principal pay down, you've got tax depreciation and past few years have been really good for short-term rentals. And then you have hopefully appreciation of your actual property. So um, unlike equities, you know, real estate is is very unique. And so I was, was trying to be specific about the short-term rental area. And I, I think that's that's probably a an educational area for a lot of investment advisors. And then I guess you also have the side where 
Um, investment advisors, it's hard for them to make money if you're investing in real estate, right? <laughs> well, it can be, you know, depending on how you structure your practice. And for instance, most investment advisors charge a fee for assets under management. So whether, you know, so they are, you know, they're managing a client's portfolio. Some act, some assets are dynamic, some are static. Um, it just depends on the level of of oversight that that advisor is giving that particular investor as part of their overall portfolio, I could see them charging a, I'm not saying a one or 2% fee for managing yeah. the, you know, helping them manage the financial aspects of, a, of an SDR, but certainly, you know, 25 to 50 basis points, uh, you know, for the advisor to help them to look at that. The other thing that I see and that I like about short-term vacation rentals as an, as an investment is one, it's the only investment of its kind that you can stay in, enjoy, make family memories in, and and take advantage of. You can't do that with your quarterly wrap account statement or your or your 401k or IRA statement. You get it, you know, emailed to you. You look at it online. You file it away. This is something that you can actually go and enjoy and, and spend time in. The other thing that an STR gives an investor, maybe not in today's interest rate environment, but the ability to use other, you know, I call it OPM, other people's money, where you can go to the bank, you can borrow money to buy an investment. Um, traditional investments, unless you're buying it on margin, which is not a smart thing to do, it's the only type of its kind. And when interest rates were low, you know, we're talking 2.75, you know, 3.5, 3.15, You know, if you could borrow money at those rates and your investment shed, you know, you know, net, you know, before taxes, right, of seven and a half, eight percent, you got positive arbitrage. Why wouldn't you borrow money to get that kind of positive arbitrage? Yeah. Unfortunately, today, borrowers at six and a quarter, six and a half, throwing 20 percent down out of something that might be making them seven or eight percent in the market and throwing it after an investment that's got a high uh, acquisition cost. But as a relative has a as a decreasing revenue stream is probably not the smartest and wisest move right now, unless you're 1031 ing money from one asset to another. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great point. Now I'm going to transition just a little bit. Um, you're part of Cabins for You, and Cabins for You, um, as far as I know, they're they're recognized as one of the largest and most successful uh, vacation rental management companies, not only in the Smokies but maybe even nationwide. And so I, I kind of see your name peppered on advertisements here and there of of software companies <laughs> that you use, and so on and so forth. Um, so tell me a little bit about you guys and cabins for you and what you guys are doing differently and what a lot of other property management companies just aren't, just aren't getting or aren't executing. Well, and, and thank you for those kind words. Yes. You know, cabins for you is we, we, we market and, and we operate in a few different areas. Obviously the Tennessee Smokies is the one that we have the largest presence in, we manage right around 410, 412 properties here in the Tennessee Smokies. Everything from one-bedroom studios and condos to 16-bedroom mega lodges. Uh, and our wow. footprint is pretty large. We're not super concentrated in one area. 
We also manage uh, some properties in the North Georgia mountains around Blue Ridge and Ella J, Big Canoe, and a handful of boutique properties in the Florida and Alabama panhandle. So we've got, we're not, we're, we're not trying to be national. We're more trying to be regional. Uh, we are privately owned. So we're not part of a, a private equity group, nor a, a stock uh, public company that we're worried about our quarterly returns for our shareholders. And we're also a no debt company. So we we work very hard on the principles of being financially and fiscally sound. I think what separates us from our competitors is the fact that we we understand that we need the owner as from a from an owner standpoint, let's not talk about the guest for a second because we're all going after the same guest. We're all using the same SEO models, PPC, revenue management, advertising, things like that. But from an owner perspective, I think that we recognize that the we need the owner more than they need us. They have a myriad of opportunities and choices to have for their property management. And so we want to treat our owners really, really well, because without them, we have no product on the shelf to sell. So we, I think we treat our owners really, really well. We don't nickel and dime them to death. We have very aggressive payouts for owners, and we keep our owners informed. So I think uh, besides being privately owned, I think that's one of the things that we do really well. The second thing that we do real well is we try to work in the blue ocean. You know, there was a book, I please forgive me, I can't remember the author, but it was called uh, Blue Ocean Strategies. And a lot of companies exist in the red ocean. They continue to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. We're we're always looking for those blue ocean opportunities and ways of doing business so that we can stay in front of the wave instead of being drowned by the wave. And I think we've done a pretty darn good job with that, whether it's in the systems, our tech stack that we use, the people that we hire, or some of the things that we do for our guests and our owners. So I'd like to think that you know, we're staying in front of that, you know, in that front of that, that wave and staying in the blue ocean as opposed to sticking around in the red ocean. That's great. That's great. And you and I were even chatting before the show. Um, you mentioned that you do a podcast. Uh, it's more of to be informative to your owners or to owners potentially who want to join Cabins for You. Tell us a little bit about that and what it is. Right. Our podcast, uh, when we developed and decided to roll it out, we we decided to make it owner centric. Um, you know, it was never our design to be in for consumers or really, you know, in the industry, although we have a few episodes that are industry driven. But it's really to educate and inform owners. A lot of times owners get into this space because they hear how great it is, but they have no basis, no point of knowledge, no point of reference to know if it's good, bad, or otherwise. And so, um, and they only hear these wonderful things. So what we try to do is share with them the nitty gritty of how it works, whether an episode might be on, you know, will my, how does my property make money? An episode might be something as mundane is how often should you, you know, service your septic tank and how septic tanks work, or it might be on, you know, water, you know, well water. A lot of people think, you know, well water is great, but you've got quantity and quality issues. I mean, these are all things that we deal with more here in the Tennessee Smokies than perhaps an urban area would. But if I educate, if we educate these owners 
of the good, bad, and ugly of owning a vacation rental property here in the Tennessee Smokies or in other rural areas, I think it makes them a better owner. It makes them a more informed owner. Um, you know, yeah. even owners that are thinking about buyers who are thinking about self-managing. You know, it's funny. I did the analysis to say, you know, and, and wrote a paper and did a podcast on the value of your time. And, you know, if you're if you're self-managing and it's taking you anywhere from 200 to 230 hours a year to self-manage your property, how much of your valuable time is being devoted to that activity versus maybe some lost opportunity in the business that you currently own or maybe family time that you have as well? So our podcast is designed for that uh, with the owner in mind. And uh, we'll be happy to share with you all uh, the the link to that podcast channel would be uh, loved for you to participate and listen in on some of our episodes. That's great. And by the way, those self-management hours, a lot of those are spent on Friday and Saturday nights <laughs> when people are checking yeah. in just when you want to spend time with your family, you know? Yeah. The whole idea of this is, you know, potentially passive investing and it's, uh, it's certainly not passive at all. Um, it's not that passive with a manager and it's definitely not passive when you're when you're managing yourself. Here, here's an exercise that I always ask people who tell me they're going to self-manage. I said, look, I want you to take your gross annual income. Don't tell me what it is and divide it by the number of hours that you work. And I bet, especially some of the more professional owners and the more affluent owners, I bet that their hourly rate is well into three, four hundred dollars an hour. Why would a three, four hundred dollar an hour person want to do the work of a fifty dollar an hour person? It doesn't make sense. You know, I ask them, do you cut your own grass? Do you clean your own pool? Do you have somebody that cleans your house and does your 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 laundry and dry cleaning? Why? Why not? They say, well, it's a waste of my time because I can make more money doing other things. And this is the same exact thing. Why not outsource that at I'm, and I'm throwing that number out. For some people, it might be $60 an hour. Some some you know groups might be $40 an hour. But I guarantee you it's a lot less employing somebody like us to manage their property than for them to do it themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, speaking of some unit ec economics, give us your take on kind of where you see the short-term rental market overall. Are we are we pretty stagnant? Are we down a little bit? Like, what, what do you see? I mean, you've got a big enough portfolio to be able to gain some insight there, I would suspect. Yeah. You know, besides, you know, in between my experience, you know, in the investment securities and financial world, when I look at the macro picture of the economy, right, I'm looking at, you know, inflation, core inflation versus standard inflation, the CPI, when I'm looking at consumer confidence, when I'm looking at the bigger picture, and then I, I get granular into our industry, um, I see a couple of things that are happening. And I again, I can only speak for the areas that we're working in. And the first thing is, I tell owners right now, the real estate bubble isn't bursting, but it is leaking. So at, you know, if you've acquired a, an asset, a property in 2021, 2022, or even this year, look for the value of that asset to be eroded some over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. Now, I could be a little bit long in my forecast, but I'd rather be a little bit more conservative 
than aggressive. So I say, look, your 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 asset value is going to diminish and decrease some. Not like 2008, 9, and 10, obviously, but I see you you're going to start seeing that go down. So and then it, it should ease off a little bit and start the normal trajectory of four to five percent increase in asset value every year thereafter. So that's the first thing that I talk about. The second thing I talk about, and I don't want to use the S word, uh, but I will use it in in some context, and it's called saturation. Um, I can't speak for all markets, but I can tell you here in the Tennessee Smokies, the number of new vacation properties that are coming online year over year is in excess of you know 12 to 15 percent. And it's not just average properties. We're talking about luxury pool properties. We're talking about large group properties. We're talking about a substantial increase in supply. So, you know, until that stabilizes, I think owners should be, I think, tolerant of, you know, of returns that may not be, you know, in the, the nine, nine, 10% range. Now I want to, I want to, say my thoughts on how I tell my owners how to calculate their rate of return. There's lots of ways. We hear cap rates, cash over cash. We hear all of these phrases all the time. I'm more, I take a very simplistic, you know, investment management view of it. I take the operating income or the the gross income and I back out all of the operational expenses. And then I take that net pre-tax income and I divide it by what they actually paid for the property, not the property after putting a down payment on it or any of that other stuff, but if but what they paid for it. So if they paid a million dollars for a property and net income before taxes is, is $70,000, it's a 7% ROI, pure and simple, right? You can get into all kinds of different gyrations to make your numbers look better, but if you keep it simple, then the then the owners who are probably pretty savvy investors themselves understand what you're talking about. So, you know, when I'm talking about reasonable rates of return, again, in our marketplace, non-pool properties are probably around seven, seven point one. Pool properties are probably, you know, eight point two to eight point five, based on today's acquisition cost and yeah. And and rate of and and their occupancy, and I feel that's a pretty good ROI pre-tax ROI for an owner today. Yeah, yeah. That I, I was going to clarify that, but you clarified it for me. Is that is that today's rates versus two years ago or three years ago? Obviously, three years ago that that that's a big change. And another clarifying point um, that you said was pre-tax, and so. Um, there's massive tax benefits to owning short-term rentals, um, as some folks, some listeners may or may not know. That's that's really good insight. Um, so you're seeing a little bit of saturation in in the vacation rental markets. We're seeing some regulation in the non-vacation rental markets, like Dallas was with some recent news uh, regulation around that. And then we're seeing some deregulation in some in some other places, and so it's really. Mm-hmm. Really is kind of all over the board, but but for the most part, um, I think the Smokies. At least a year ago, they were projecting even more tourism over the next year to two to three years, with the addition of new venues and and places of interest than they've ever had before. Do you see that playing out, or is it 
or is there so much new product online that um, it's just kind of balancing balancing out? Yeah, we I track number of visitors that are here, and we get that from the National Park Service. They they're really good partners with us here in the area with sharing demographic and visitor information. So, if we look back um, to 2021, which was the 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 unicorn year of unicorn years, we did right at about 14 and a half million visitors. Last and and then in 2022, we did probably close to 13. This year, we're going to be lucky to hit 12. Now, before the pandemic, you know, we were hovering around that 12, 12 and a half million visitors, which was a good number for us here based on the supply of short-term vacation rental properties, hotels, motels, condos, timeshares. It was a good, we were at a, at a good supply demand model, right? Um, but now that supply is going up, and demand has softened some for lots of reasons, whether, you know, people are worried about the economy, they're worried about inflation, gas prices, a, a pending recession, you know, maybe there's some political instability that they have some concerns about, any any number of things that can cause a consumer to have what I call paralysis by analysis. By analysis. They mm. get so much information, it's, it's information overload. And they can't make a decision until the last minute, which I'm sure everybody can see in their booking windows have compressed greatly from what they were pre-pandemic. So um, I'm bullish on the economy here, the short-term vacation rental market here. I'm bullish. I think that this is just a short-term uh, bump in the road. I think that as our economy gets a little bit better, we get past the pandemic, we accept the new normal. Um, in the economy and move forward. Uh, and I think in our marketplaces, as the growth and supply slows down, I'm bullish. I, I think uh, I think the short-term vacation rental industry is strong here and in the other areas that we work. We're not burdened by a lot of, of municipal regulations restricting mm. short-term vacation rentals here, aside from maybe having to buy a permit. Nobody's really restricting us uh, in zoning and other problems, like a lot of problems of the you know, the com- country have. We're not an urban destination like a Dallas or an Austin or Atlanta or Chicago or Miami. So we're not burdened by those kinds of things. But um, obviously, um, it's an attractive area um, and people see it as a place to invest. So, yeah, but yeah. I'm bullish on, on in the marketplace in our area, especially. Yeah. And I know I know we're kind of honing in on the Smokies that's because you're there, but um it's interesting you get the numbers from the park service and I totally get that. I've I've heard that before. Um is there any way to know the amount of visitors that come up there and never visit the national park? Like so if you say, all right, 14 and a half million was the you tops, know, 12 million might be normal. Like is there another two to three million people that come and never go in the park? You know, I, I it, it would be hard to say because the only other data that we get on a regular basis is sales tax and revenue and mm-hmm. gross receipts tax information that we get from the chamber and from the, you know, visitors and vacation bureaus and, and, and places like that. So um, nobody is, to the best of my knowledge, is keeping track 
total of the number of visitors here that may not visit the park. So it would be very difficult. The only other place we can really look is in the revenue area of it. And if I see revenue for amusements is down and revenue for uh, restaurants is down and revenue for the you know, for the retail establishments is down and the, and the revenue for lodging is down, then I, you know, kind of tells me that things are down. And unfortunately, this year versus the last couple of years, those metrics, those KPIs are down and it kind of correlates yeah. to the numbers that we see from the visitor count from the National Park Service. So it's not a perfect, uh, it's not perfect science, but it's the best we can do. So come in full circle. <laughs> We're kind of underlining and bold-facing the importance of making your property stand out even more. So in a competitive market where there's more and more new construction of beautiful new pool properties, it's more and more important to have like great design and great amenities and a great look and a modern, you know, a modern twist, whatever that is. Um, I think you're underlining the point that you, you've got to make that reinvestment if you want to stay relevant. You really do. And and you see that also in national brands when they may change a logo, they may change a color scheme. Maybe they, you know, they change the whole look and feel of their physical plant. You know, I, I'm old enough to remember McDonald's golden arches. You know, you walked up over, you know, one million served and you had the arches. And yet today, when you drive up and you go to a, a McDonald's, it's a modern you know, you know, glass and chrome and, 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 you know, stone facade and, and interior, it, it's, it, you know, you all, you always have to upgrade. You always have to stay with the times and, you know, and it's no different in the, in the short, you know, owning a short-term vacation, you know, property, you have to have that. I, I don't want to, I don't want to wear out wow factor, but you know, what are you doing to separate your property from the other 10,000 properties in the area? We have a um, we have a developer here in, in in the Tennessee Smokies who bought a, a substantial amount of land and he's building uh, roughly sixty one brand new pool cabins from five bedroom up to eight bedrooms. They have virtually the same look and feel on the outside. They have the same furniture package, the same decor package on the inside. It's the same style swimming pool. I mean, there's. There's nothing to you know separate one property from another, so it's become commoditized. And the minute one owner drops their price because of the supply demand curve, everybody else has to as well. So, you know, do something to separate your property from everybody else's. And if you do that, yeah. that's at least getting you a leg up on, on getting more share of the market for yourself and increasing your revenue. That's so fascinating. But, you know, even, excuse me, even in a situation like that, say there's an indoor pool, if you just replace the double doors with maybe a garage door, if you replace the big, thick, chunky wooden furniture with something new and modern and put some painting up, like, try, at least try, right? Like, even if you do have the same kind of floor plan as 60 other cabins in your neighborhood, there is a way to stand out from those. Um, you know, you're not going to change the exterior, not going to change the floor plan. You're not going to change yeah. some yeah. core if things. I a, but I, you know, me personally, if I had one of those properties and there's a game room uh, that's in there, uh, I'm probably taking a pool table out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to trick it out with a bunch of arcade games. You know, I'm going to create a, a real, you know, kind of a, 
you know, a higher end environment for, you know, for the guests to see. And you know, those things, those market well, you know, pool tables are great. I, I love to shoot pool just like everybody else does. But you know what, when you've got a property with a pool that's, you know, that you're, you're trying to, you know, get that family demographic in there, regardless of how old the kids are, you know, you know, five-year-olds can play air hockey till the cows come home. Five-year-olds can't play foosball or shoot pool, but they can play video games by God. So it's, uh, so I would trick out, uh, you know, the, the, the game room. I would, you know, really, you know, update the, the theater room if there is one. And if there's a place, if the land, if the property you have can accommodate it, I will tell you right now, one of the hottest amenities in our area is high quality luxury outdoor living space. Having that great patio with a fire pit and lighting and Hollywood furniture, the higher end furniture, um, to me, that's letting you have the outdoor experience, but still having air conditioning and a warm bed and a, and a hot shower to go back to. So that's one of the hottest commodities and, and amenities that we have here right now. And if you're an owner, that's way less wear and tear on your house. <laughs> you bet. You bet. And to take, you know, when you're taking your pictures and you've got live action shots of sitting people sitting around the, the fire pit with a glass of wine or an iced tea and kids are roasting marshmallows. I mean, it's those those experience shots that are it's going to make the difference between you getting the booking than somebody else who doesn't. Yeah. What is... um. What's the most interesting thing and unique thing that you've you've seen a homeowner do? Well, you know, I, probably the most unique thing that we have here is we've got an owner who built a 12 bedroom, 12 bath pool cabin and he put a half court gymnasium in the basement. Wow. It's awesome. It's it's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've seen owners do golf simulators in a, in a specialized game area. I, you know, obviously pools, but there are different levels of pools, right? You can have a, 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 a simple square liner pool that has no real aesthetic value versus maybe a gunite pool that has some curves to it. Um, small little pool rooms that have, you know, no deck space and very little um, volume for moisture and, and air, um, versus something that's a little bit bigger. I've seen miniature, little mini miniature golf courses being put up. You know, if I had a luxury property, I would even consider putting in a two-lane bowling alley. You know, something that's going to separate my property from somebody else's. So it's, yeah. but yeah, the, the the gymnasium one was pretty cool. Guests love it. Um, you know, the little outdoor space, the little mini golf courses, they like it. And obviously that tricked out, you know, game room is be very, very popular too. Yeah. And the chances of somebody else having a gymnasium or a pickleball court or anything like right. that is very, very slim. Like, so you go from competing one, like one out of 10,000 to one out of one or one out of two. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah, I've got owners yeah. right now that've got, you know, enough land that they're putting in disc golf courses. You know, you, you might not think much about it, but there are enthusiasts out there. You know, we're promoting I'm strongly promoting with our owners to get EV chargers. Um hmm. not that, you know, it, it's a political statement, but it's serving a demographic you know, who are driving Teslas or Leafs or Bolts or whatever. And as more and more of those vehicles come online, 
why not have a charging station, a level two charging station at your property? I, I bought one for my wife. She loves it. I've got a charging station in my garage. And for what limited driving she does, we love that vehicle. And there's a lot yeah. of others that are out there who do it. You know, one of the other things that I might consider doing if I were building a short-term vacation rental property that was on a top of a ridge with unlimited sky, I might even consider putting up, you know, solar panels and an inverter and marketing it as an environmentally friendly, sustainable home. Mm -hmm. You know, it's little things like that that separate you from your competitors and might actually you know, introduce you to a different demographic and guest set who are appreciate that. So there are yeah. lots of things that owners can do to to be on the in that blue ocean, to be on the front end of the front end of the wave to separate themselves from their competing you know competing properties. Man, so good, so rich. That is, we we really appreciate it, Kevin. We're coming up on our time. We've spent a lot of time together. Um, if folks want to reach out to you, get in touch with you somehow, what are some of the best ways or what is the best way that they can reach out to you and get in contact with you? Look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm available by phone. My direct line is area code 865-518-6410. Again, that's 865 or feel free, to, feel free to drop me an email at uh, KVO, K-V-O, the three letters, Kevin Mozart mm -hmm. Oscar at bellsouth.net. Yes, I'm an old guy. I still have a bellsouth.net, you know, personal email, <laughs> uh, but don't hesitate. Uh, it's not an AOL. I'm not, I'm, I'm old, but I never have an AOL. But uh, by, by all means, drop me an email, shoot me, you know, give me a call. You can text to that number. I'm happy to answer any questions I can. My mission is to be a giver in this industry, to help mm -hmm. other property managers, help owners, help with companies' infrastructure. Anything I can do to help our industry, that's what I want to do. Um, and it's my pleasure to help you and, and, and all of your listeners and viewers out there. Man, that's so good. We need need more people with that, that same kind of heart. Um, Kevin, this has been an absolute pleasure. We appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening, and don't forget about the tools available to subscribers. The Property Manager Self-Assessment Tool, My Property Upgrade Walkthrough List, or the chance to feel like a millionaire for the weekend by checking out one of our own properties in person. It's all available on our website, www.goodendeavorstrshow.com. Thank you.